TJIF, everyone. It's Friday, August 18, 2023. This week's topic, the state of the consumer. Americans keep spending. GDP grew at an annualized rate of 2.4% in Q2. Consumer spending led. The Fed staff subsequently canceled its prediction for a recession, given the resilience of the economy. Retail sales increased 0.7% in July, a much stronger than expected result. The street was modeling 0.4% growth. That translates to a 3.2% year-over-year increase. Now, consumer spending accounts for 70% of America's economic activity. It's still strong. And cars and healthcare spending were the standout strength, up 8% each. Non-store retail purchases increased nearly 2% in July alone and 10% over the last year. That could very well be the result of Amazon's Prime Day, which had record sales. It was so good that Amazon announced another one is coming in October. Online transactions continue to take share of total consumer spending. It accounts for over 15% of total sales now. It was less than 6% a decade ago. COVID accelerated the trend that was already in place, and that trend clearly is irreversible. Now, the category that includes furniture and home furnishings fell by nearly 2% month over month and 6% year over year. It's yet another indication that American consumers are backing away from the big ticket items. Home Depot reported earnings this week and acknowledged big ticket demand is indeed slipping. Management stated its customers are still spending on smaller projects, but seem to be deferring the larger ones for later. Spending patterns are watched closely, especially for items like apparel, food, furnishings, and electronics. They're the key dashboard indicators for America's economic engine. Earnings reports also give a clear read on consumer behavior and the response to higher prices. If costs rise by a smaller amount or even dip, that can impact spending patterns, especially in an era of low unemployment. More spending can also influence company profit margins and inventories, which retailers track and share on their earnings calls. Import and transportation prices were higher than expected, indicating inflation is still an issue. Now, Walmart and Target also reported earnings this week and highlighted strong back-to-school trends. Half of Walmart revenues come from groceries, which have been consistently solid all year. E-commerce increased 24% in the June quarter. Walmart CEO felt encouraged that it bodes well for the holidays, which is by far the biggest season for stores. One major problem that retailers are facing with increasing frequency? Theft. It's a major problem. There are a few signs of improvement, too. Retailers call it shrinkage. The term reflects a loss of inventory, which can be defined as lost, damaged, or stolen. Stealing has been on the rise. Total shrink last year was reported $94 billion. It's already looking worse for this year. Target said its store saw a 120% increase in thefts, which included violence towards employees in just the first five months of 2023. The company expects a billion dollars in losses for the full year. Crime and violence are destroying America's vibrant cities. People are avoiding them with increased frequency. Consumers aren't consuming the city like before. It's hurting the stores. Gumps, a San Francisco institution for over a century and a half, just pleaded to the mayor and the California governor to take action or it'll be forced to shut down its doors in Union Square for good. Gump cited increased violence, homelessness, and the reduction in workers in the office, which is putting permanent pressure on its ability to survive. They're not alone. Retailers face it across the country. A Nordstrom's in Los Angeles had $300,000 in merchandise stolen within minutes by what clearly was an organized theft. It was a flash mob masked and dressed in silver and black. The merchandise is stolen and seemingly resold to unsuspecting buyers online. It's become big business. There could be well over $100 billion in stolen goods this year in America from coast to coast. And tourists are being turned off by what's happening. Locals are too. Nordstrom already announced it's closing the San Francisco store. Now China's economy is weakening. The economic reopening after an extended lockup period from zero COVID policy is seemingly stalled. 
It's surprising pretty much everyone, particularly the Chinese government. Consumer spending accounts for 40% of Chinese GDP. The Chinese people aren't spending how they did pre-COVID. Retail sales grew just 2.5% last month. 4.5% growth was expected. And real estate investment was down 8.5%. New home prices fell in July for the first time this year. Bank loans fell to a 14-year low last month while deflation is setting in and exports are contracting. China's largest real estate developer filed bankruptcy this week. It was allegedly swimming in debt. Now, the property market is so important to China's economy. Real estate accounts for a quarter of Chinese GDP. It's looking increasingly likely that China misses its 5% economic growth target. What was supposed to be a boom is now looking like a bust in China. Inflation is not a problem in China. The country is actually facing deflationary pressures. Consumer demand is shrinking and fast. Youth unemployment is 21%. It's horrifically high. And the government just said it will no longer report this metric. Right, that should work. You don't like the numbers, so you stop reporting it. So what's next? That said, we can never really trust that the numbers coming out of China anyway. Now, there's a buzz that the youth employment is actually far worse and the government is just covering it up. President Xi has been noticeably silent on the subject. His style is to always project strength. China incessantly asserts itself on the world stage as a clear alternative to America's might. It's looking more and more hollow. China is the second largest global economy, so it matters to the market. And China's in a tough shape right now. The market's reflecting it more and more by the day. China's weakness is especially felt in Europe, which exports a great deal to the Asian nation. It also relies on Chinese imports. Companies from around the globe have been reconfiguring their supply chains, reducing China dependency after learning a hard lesson during COVID. But China also represents a huge market opportunity with 1.4 billion consumers. They're not consuming like they once were. The impact is felt in this connected world in which we live. And one area of economic strength can be found in another Asian nation, Japan. The Japanese economy just reported 6% growth. Those are China-like numbers. Well, what China used to do. The strength was driven by tourism and exports. The weak yen currency has made Japan more affordable. Consumer spending was on the weaker side, though, with the economy relying on international spends. That could cause a pause to the three consecutive quarterly economic expansions. But bigger picture, there's a renaissance at hold in Japan. After 30 years of declines, the Japanese stock market is humming again. In many ways, Japan's a key beneficiary from China's struggles. Now back to the market. After an explosive first half of 2023, stocks hit a brick wall in August. AI-led exuberance has burned off a bit. A greater sense of reality seems to have returned. Seasonality is playing a role too. August often brings increased volatility and declines, while September has proven to be the weakest month of the year for stocks. Case in point, in the last 10 years, the S&P 500 has fallen a percent and a half in September. It's been up every other month on average over the same period. It's also another reminder that September and October often bring corrections ahead of seasonal year-end strength. Now, the bond market keeps telling a cautious tale. Yields keep rising. Yields are rates of interest payments on borrowed money. Interest rates are the price of money. The price keeps going up. The benchmark 10-year Treasury yield reached 4.3% this week. That's a 15-year high, a level not seen since before the financial crisis. And mortgages at 7% are the highest in two decades. Higher rates squeeze pricing powers. That slows purchase rates. Prices subsequently fall. That's what's happening in the stock market and housing. They were both excessively valued again. A correction has begun. Housing affordability hit its worst point in four decades. Consumers are really stretched. Now, the thing is... Those high yields are making the bond market quite attractive to investors looking for predictable returns without taking that much risk. Count us in that camp. We've increased our fixed income exposure throughout the course of 2023. And the Fed has an important and symbolic meeting next week. 
It'll be held in Jackson Hole. It's not a live meeting, meaning no change in interest rates will come, but the market will be supremely focused on what is said. The economy has remained resiliently strong. Airports, hotels, and restaurants have been packed. Retail sales show consumers still spending. Unemployment is still at five-decade lows. This gives every reason for the Fed to keep rates high, if not raise them more. That said, there are signs that these trends are slowing. Credit card debt eclipsed a trillion dollars for the first time ever. Interest payments on credit cards are over 20%. That's the kind of debt that buries borrowers. We can't say it enough. Steer clear of credit card debt. A new survey from Credit Karma revealed that over half of the borrowers say they're forced to choose between making their loan payment or covering necessities like rent and groceries. That's not good. As stated before, the consumer is pretty stretched. Summer spending appears to be coming to an end, and back to school tends to result in wallet tightening, too, before the holiday rush. That sure looks like it's in play today. The path of least resistance has reversed hard. For most of the year, it was decisively to the upside with a raging rally. August turned it down in a quick way. It still isn't clear whether this is a new bull or another vicious bear market rally as a continuation from 2022. You never know until it's in the rearview mirror. The risks are still really high. The market got to a point where it priced in so much of the good and completely ignored the not so good. There's still a lot of unfinished business to attend. The market doesn't seem to be ignoring that now. We see the choppy price action continuing as reality sets back in. The fact is, this is a weird post-pandemic economy and world, but we keep navigating through it. Have a nice weekend. We'll be back dark and early on Monday. I'm Mike Frazier.